All righty. Okay. Shalom Avracha. Great to see everybody. Thank you so much for joining. Such a great chaver today. Chazi Hashem. It's so wonderful to see you and just trying to think if there's anything else I need to do. This is a whole checklist like a pilot before you start a Zoom meeting if you want to make sure everything's recording and streaming and all these different things. Um, and I do think we're ready. I think we're ready. Okay, so I'm going to share my screen so we can all see the sources. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay. So I hope everybody had a beautiful Shabbos. Baruch Hashem, it was a very eventful Shabbos indeed for Elacha, for my humble self, for our family. Um, we spent Shabbos in Manchester and we had just the most beautiful experiences with so many Yidin from so many backgrounds, all ages across the community. Baruch Hashem, I think it was about 10 events um, from Thursday night through to Sunday morning. And then we came back to London uh, yesterday. Very long drive too, very long trip. Um, but it was just so wonderful to see the, the openness and the thirst. And it's almost as if everything that I was talking about in Eretz Yisrael, in virtual circles, um, to, to, to be able to see it in person, it's, it's a whole different experience. To go into a community, to offer this, and, and the way that people respond without even necessarily knowing what it is that they're getting themselves into. They show up on a Thursday night, uh, they come to a Malava Malka, they don't know who I am, they don't, they don't know my style of, of teaching, or they, but people are so desperately thirsty today. It's the most wonderful thing. It's so encouraging to see the openness, the, 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 the way that, that I'm welcome and, and, and the way that, that people are so enthusiastic about the messages. And I was telling my wife the, the other day, also yesterday, we were speaking about it, like so many of the ostensible obstacles to this type of messaging or to talking about certain sadiqim or all of this stuff, it's so overrated. It's almost as if the obstacles create themselves by dint of the fact that people talk about there being obstacles. There really aren't. Like People are very, very open. You'd be so surprised at the encouragement that I've had from Rabbanim, from people, the least, the least, you know, the kinds of people you think would be interested. And they come over and so hush of what you're doing. And, and they really appreciate it. They, they really do. And, and, and Baruch Hashem is just a matter of like, just start doing it. You'll see the way that it's so much easier than people make it sound. It really is because people are, people are honest and people are ready and the world is changing. And it's just such a to, to have some tiny chalik in it. I know it's, it's much greater than me. It's much greater than, than our chaver that's been learning together. It's, it's a global awakening and there are many different facets to it and aspects of it. And, and we're growing together. We're developing together. But one thing is certain it's it's a remarkable time to be a yid. You know, I was also just talking it over with my wife in the car on the way back yesterday. How much has happened since we're married in the last five years? The way that I was talking about all of this stuff when we were dating and talking about like a revolution and things changing. And she was like, okay, and like, sounds nice. But like the way that things have accelerated in the last five years in the firm community is mind boggling. It's mamish mind boggling. And this is still just the infancy, the early, early, early stages um, of, of a new dawn. That's really an old dawn. It's coming out of the darkness of night. Um, and it's not as if we haven't had days in the past in our Jewish history. We have, Baruch Hashem, but it's, it's, we've been through a very, a very dark night and we're coming out of it. And it, and it's, it's such a, such a pella that, that, that we have the schus of being a part of it, connecting to tzaddikim, that for whatever reason, our, whatever resistance there is for us, it's a lot less. What a schus we have. What a privilege. Um, and so that's just a bit of chizik before the chizik, just coming off of this trip to Manchester. I can't tell you what it's what it's like, you know, to, just the visceral experience of going around and seeing the impact and seeing the effect and hearing the feedback and people coming over. Never heard tar like this in my life. I feel again. I, 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 want, I want more of this. People are, are desperate for it. What a privilege. So that's the first thing. That's the first thing. So let's jump into our Tyra's over here. Sicha Saran, we're up to Samaches. Sicha Saran, Samaches 68. 
And uh, also on a technical level, all the recordings from from Manchester will hopefully be out by today or by tomorrow. Um, and and really, we reserve it to huge siyata deshmaya on uh, on behalf of the people that came out in droves, Baruch Hashem, to participate in all the events. It was really a, a special, special trip, special, special, special. So if you have the time, if you're driving somewhere or otherwise unoccupied, um, and it wouldn't hurt to to, to plug into to some of the recordings, I, th- I think. And there's a lot, there's a lot to uh to gain from them with Hashem's help. Okay, so let's let's take a look. Sichas ran samaches. And Reb Nassan writes the following. The, the, the word me is extra, shouldn't be here. Hizir ma'oid kama pa'amim al inyan hasicha Rabbi Nachman, of course, this is something I spoke about also in Manchester. Rabbi Nachman spoke a lot about this avoida of his spoididus. Hasicha beinoy levein koinoy. Conversation, conversing. That takes place between the creation and his or her creator. Hasicha beinoy levein koinoy. It's also an interesting word, sicha. Doesn't say tfila, lik koinoy. Sicha beinoy levein koinoy. And it, it has a twofold connotation. One is that the content doesn't necessarily need to be prayerful in nature. doesn't have to be a tefillah. It could just be a talk, a shmooze, a conversation. And that's from the standpoint of us reaching out to Hashem, tell Him how your day went, talk to Him about everything under the sun. It doesn't have to be in the context of Him being the kal yachal who's able to fulfill our, our requests. It doesn't have to be a matter of requesting. It's just a matter of sharing a moment, sharing our lives with the one that loves us more than anything. That's one connotation of sicha, but another connotation of sicha, of course, is that it's not just a one-sided communication. There's a bain, there's a in-between space that becomes occupied in two directions when there is a sicha, meaning conversation. To converse in, in, implies a back and a forth, a shaklavataria. And this is something that's so beautiful about what we're able to accomplish in his spodidus, where we can achieve insights that come even memela, just on their own, without even being aware of it, without even being awake to it, somehow we get clarity in his spodidus in a way that we may not be able to get clarity uh, through other kinds of of, of avodas. So Rabbi Nachman calls it just in terms of what he what he what the, the terminology that he uses to express this avoda. It's very important. Hasicha beinoy. Which means that every person should speak and converse between his heart and the heart, so to speak, of a Kurdish Baruch. And the most important thing he says is to use this time, if we're lucky enough to implement a set time in our day for this. And that's a challenging thing to do, of course, because there are so many things that we already need to do, even spiritually speaking, for the men. Shachris, Minchan Mariv, you add up the whole shebang of not just the davening, but the driving to shul and the coming home from shul. If you add it together, it's, it's a pretty sizable amount of time to devote to spiritual practice in our modern day lives, right? In, in as much as we live regular, structured, balanced lives, each of us in our own circumstances, whatever our family situation is, commun- communal uh, situation is, our own technical lives, that's a lot of time every day to devote to a spiritual practice, right? Generally speaking. So to find the time to devote for something quote unquote optional something that many people perceive to be new, even though you and I know that this is a very old practice. And actually, this practice sits at the heart of tefillah as we know it. As, as uh, Rabbi Alter Teplicher, I believe it was, who wrote a, put together a shtabchus hanefesh, brings an akdama over there, that this, this, this is really what tefillah was originally supposed to be, like the Rambam brings down. This is what people would do. They would go out and they would speak to Hashem in their own words. But then for various reasons, because people weren't doing it, if it wasn't disciplined enough in a framework or an expectation, or because people couldn't come up with their own individual words to speak to Hashem, so Chazal canonized tefillah. And when they did that, tefillah became super powerful. It's not a bidyevet. The tefillah, the Shemana Esrei, the words that we say in tefillah, David HaMelech's words in Pesukah Zimra, the Birchus Kriya Shema, it's not simple. Big tikunim, big tikunim. 
uh, tefillah. It's unbelievable to the point that there's even a story where the Naimeli Melech um, was sitting in his home one day and his Talmidim, who had been on their way to visit the Rebbe, they noticed lurking in the shadows of the alley outside the Naimeli Melech's house, gigantic, big, massive figures just shadowy figures cloaked and they couldn't see their faces and they quickly like hurried around the corner. Tamidim didn't know what was going on. Um, maybe, they, maybe they weren't so surprised. Maybe they were used to this kind of thing. But they came into the Naim Melech and they asked him, my hi. And the Naim Melech is purported to have told them that he had been in the process of writing his tefillah lefnei ha-tefillah. I'm sure some of you have encountered the Naim Melech's prayer that's printed in particularly Nusach Sfarad Sudurim. You'll find it in the beginning um, of, of davening, really before anything else starts, probably right after the Hanukkah's tefillin. Um, it's called the tefillah for before you daven. And if you haven't discovered it yet, it's the most beautiful thing. I wonder whether you can find the translation of it online. I would be surprised if you can't. Um, well, well, I'll have to do some research into that and share it. But 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 if you if your Hebrew is good enough, I'm sure you can find the tefillah online. It's it's a master class in in Yiddishkeit. Rachmana Liba boy, you know, like feeling heartfelt, connected Yiddishkeit. Every line, the the the, the biggest yisaidus and foundations from all the tzaddikim from the Baal Shem Hakadosh is all in that tefillah. It's, it's mamish a masterpiece of a prayer. So the, the Noam and the Malach said that he was writing this tefillah. As a tefillah just to say, not a tefillah for before the tefillah. And I think that the Naim al-Malach had had a thought that this tefillah really could replace all other tefillahs. This is all that we need. It's just this one tefillah. It's a pretty lengthy tefillah. It goes on for like two pages or so, two and a half pages. And the Naim al-Malach wanted to just institute this as the tefillah to say, and the Noam al told his Hasidim that those figures that they had seen were the Anshi Knesset Hagdoila, who came to the Noam al telling him to, 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 to title his tefillah, tefillah l'fnei ha-tefillah, not to, not to mess with Shemana Esrei, not to replace anything, because obviously Shemana Esrei is very, is, is very important and has a lot of incredible soydis and, and tikkunim that are, that are there. And so that's important to know. But before that, what was happening when Yidin wanted to daven was his spaidudus. That's all there was, not something new. It's something very old. So it's hard to find the time to implement an optional and, and, and what seems to be a new fangled uh, innovation in Avodah Hashem. So you start slow and you start small and you start five minutes and you start 10 minutes at a time. You start 15 minutes at a time. Slowly but surely you lock it in at a time where you're anyways unoccupied. If you're sitting in your car anyway, scrolling down your social media feed, you know, whatever it is before you have to go to work. So try for that time. You, you devote this time, five minutes, to speaking to Hashem in your own words. But what's the content of it, says the Rebbe? The content is to settle oneself very well, to settle oneself. What a novel idea, huh? To settle oneself. Just to settle. How little time we give ourselves today to settle ourselves. And it's not our fault. We're not bad people. We're just very busy people. We're so busy because there's so much to do that we don't realize that beyond all of the doing needs to be a soul of non-doing. Needs to be a soul of setting aside some time every day if we can, certainly once every two or three days, to be miyashev atzmeheitev mahu oise ba'olam hazeh. What is it that we're attempting to accomplish in this world? What's it all about? Now, the mahu oise in the sense of like what it is that we need to accomplish, that all of us have down pat. We know what we're doing. We know what we did yesterday. We know what we need to do. We know what's on the, on the list of things to do. We know what, what needs to be done tomorrow. Some of us are even planning, you know, longer than that and we're, and we're even anxious about things that are that are that are coming up next week next month next year in a certain sense we don't need to be miyash of ourselves we know what we're doing Rabbi Nachman of course is not just talking about the mahu oise in terms of a technical checklist of things that you need to do on your to-do list for today Monday whatever the date is Rabbi Nachman is talking on an existential level 
not mahu oise, that's not the stress of this couple of words. What are you doing? But mahu oise, ba'ilamaze. And that changes everything. What, not, oh, what are you doing today? What are you doing today? <laughs> it's a very different thing. What are you doing here? Mahu oise, ba'ilamaze. Do you hear the two ways of reading this? Mahu oise ba'ilamaze could be, what are you, what are you, uh, so what do you do, right? What, like, mahu oise ba'ilamaze, what do you do? Ibn Nachman says, no, it means something else. Mahu oise, what are you doing in this, why are you here in the first place? Why is there a you who has a list of things that you need to do? For what? That's very deep. And on a very logical, non-transcendent level, on a very practical, pragmatic level, it's completely logical and completely understandable for the thinking Jew and the thinking human and the thinking individual to understand how spending time focusing on this interpretation of mahu can positively affect the quality of the second way of reading these words of mahu can invest all of what we are doing with a spirit of clarity, with a spirit of focus, with a spirit of direction, with a spirit of passion, how it can invest all of what we're doing anyway with a sense of incredible, incredible meaning. To contextualize what we're doing, to put things into perspective, to allow us to prioritize what we're doing, and not just to prioritize in terms of the order in which we plan on doing things, but prioritize in the sense that when some of the things don't work out, which invariably they won't, another thing that I spoke about a lot in Manchester, which invariably things won't work out, because that's life, because I've been miyashiv myself, hopefully, and because we've spent time being miyashiv ourselves, hey, Dave, not a cursory glance over my to-do list for tomorrow, but a deep, penetrating gaze into the depth of my soul. My eye on the priority of things will allow me to ride the waves without allowing them to break me into a million pieces. Because I know what's, what's really important. And in the light of my connection with what's really important, all of the other things are really seen with a, with a greater sense of perspective. And that leads to Yishuv Hadas. Yishuv Hadas. A sense of calm, a sense of measuredness, a sense of okayness, a sense of rootedness, an inner stillness that abides deep beyond the surface of all the crashing waves, wherein I am connected in the deepest part of me, to the unmovable, unshakable, unchangeable, eternal essence of what we refer to as Hashem, the Ein Sof, the Infinite One. That's a very powerful thing. But the world is so incredibly seductive. The illusion of this worldliness is so seductive that the intellectual knowledge of this is not good enough. It's not good enough. And all of us know that very well because most of us were brought up with all these concepts and we learned them and we spent time in yeshiva and we learned all the texts and all the different uh, gemaras about this and it, it, it suffuses everything that we've learned in, in halacha, in ashkafa. But we know that it's not enough because look at the state of some of our lives because we haven't managed to really live this way. And Rabbi Nachman says, and this is one of the most beautiful things about Rabbi Nachman's path, is the practicality of it. It doesn't just remain in theory. The Rabbi says, listen, I'll give you practical eitzes. I'll give you practical, implementable pieces of advice to do, not just to think about, but to actually apply, to implement. And the Rebbe says, watch how things begin to change. This is called experiential emuna. To spend time every day, five, ten minutes, 
And Hispoidus, we're not gonna, we don't have time now to get into the whole huge sugya of Hispoidus. It's a sugya. It's a huge multifaceted world. What it is, where to do it, when to do it, different ways to do it, what to say, what not to say, what to say when words don't come. How to say. It's a whole science, Hispoidus. But at the very, very core of it, it's to spend time every day thinking about every day. That's at the core of it. To spend time every day, every day, thinking about every day. Right? I'll just say that again because I think it's an important construct. To spend time every day, right? each and every day to spend time thinking about Every day, meaning thinking about all the days, thinking about what this thing called life is, what this thing called time is, what this thing called me is, what this thing called life is all about. We continue. Says the Rebbe, you know how he introduces, it's such a beautiful terminology. And Rev Cook also uses a similar terminology, which we've learned in Shirim. How he introduces his spoidus. It's not just a good, like a good idea, which is logical to all of us, makes sense. He says, He says, have mercy on yourself. Give yourself a break from all of the stress and the anxiety and the confusion and the, and the sadness and the despair. Have mercy on yourself. In the same way that you'd do nothing, would love nothing more than to have mercy on someone else in your life who opened up to you in the way that you're open to yourself all of the things that they're struggling with. If you had a way to help someone close to you, a child, a spouse, a parent, a best friend, someone you love who's experiencing the things that you know in the depth of your heart and your psyche you're grappling with and you had something that if they would do, or if they would learn, or if they would understand, it could really help them. That would be your number one priority in the context of your relationship. So the Rebbe says, there is something that you can implement in the relationship with yourself that constitutes rachmanos. Have mercy on yourself. Because all of us need this. And spread your arms out with supplication, upiusim, and, and, and different ways of like of appeasing, talking out your story, expressing your ruts and your yearning. And to supplicate me, the fun of Yisbarach, to beg HaKadosh Baruch in all different kinds of ways. She's a kehu that Hashem should have mercy on him and should merit him and allow him to merit in his overwhelming abundant love and mercy. Bring me close to you. We're desperate to come close to you. When all is said and all is done, a Jew wants nothing more than to be close to Hashem. Rabbi Nachman says in Tarazayin and Tinyana in the second Chelek, in the seventh lesson, that there's no greater burden that a Jew feels than the burden of Averis. It's not a matter of there are things that I'm doing that I shouldn't be doing, and it's, it's such a shame. It's a, it's, a, it's a burden. It's a heavy burden. We come to HaKadosh Baruch Hu not because theoretically and theologically we know very deep inside that there's a better way to live and we feel guilty about it. So we come to Hashem and say, can you help me out? Because one day, you know, I want and I don't really want to go to Gehenna. So I don't really care much about it in this world, but it's just an important thing if you could help me out because I'm wasting my life. We know that that's not how it is. And if it's, if that's how it is, then we know that there's work that needs to be done. This is, this is not how you and I engage with Averis and the way that we per perceive our experience of misalignment with the Ratz and Hashem. You and I know very well. It's a burden. And we come to HaKadosh Baruch Hu begging him, help me stop hurting you. Help me stop hurting myself. Like Nisim Black sings, I need freedom for me. I need freedom for me. I need healing for me. It's a burden. Have mercy. Says quoting from Rabbi Nachman that a person should try to 
produce tainos ubakashes alze. All different kinds of ways of talking this through. All different kinds of ways of walking Hashem, as it were, through the turbulence of the difficulty of not being able to fully manifest and to live life the way that we want to be living, which is health. Yiddishkeit, as it should be lived, is synonymous with health. Health. A healthy sense of self. A healthy outlook on life. A healthy sense of expectations. A healthy uh, uh, way of relating to others. Health. And when we're not living healthy lives, so again, it's not a matter of spiritual principle that we know that we need to do better. And it's not a matter of trying to get ourselves in position so that after 120, when we leave the world, we'll go down the, the road that takes us to Kanedin and Achas Shalom and the other place. It's a matter of getting out of the hell of this world that we experience when we're not living healthy lives. That's what we're coming to more and more. I think we learned that, right? We learned about that. Maybe it was in our Shabbos year when we spoke about Yir Shemaim from the Piyasetz Nerebbe, that it's not just a matter of Yiras Chet, because we are fearful of the sin and what its implications will be vis-a-vis our spiritual success and our Olam Haba. But the Piyasetzner says the most visceral kind of Yiras Chet, which is our generation's experience, is forget about the next world for a minute. This world is Gehenim when, we're not, when, we, when we don't have our spiritual fix. This world is Gehenim. And so much of what's being discovered at the cutting edge of neuroscience, without getting into the whole sugya now, and it's a, it's, it's a sugya that I'm just starting to explore, of, of, of some of you may be familiar, of psychedelic-assisted psychotherapy. Very, very, very important thing that's happening in the world. It's still emergent. And, and, and I'm not talking about like, you know, like in, in, in the Amazon somewhere. I'm talking about in, in John Hopkins University. I'm talking about in, in, in very professional um empirical settings with very highly trained and responsible uh, scientists who are doing amazing studies on the effects of plant medicines on our consciousness. But what all of them have really come to is that whatever freeing is able to happen in the minds of either the heavily addicted or the heavily traumatized or different kinds of people that are stuck in different kinds of ways that these medications have proven to have dramatic, dramatic effects, dramatic of shocking effects statistically in the lives of, 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 of the suffering. In the lives of the suffering, it's, it seems clear that it's not the um, physiological effect of the actual medicine on the mind of the person, but it's the experience of freeing yourself from from the unhealth of the ego, from the unhealth of self-obsession, from the unhealth of an alignment and identification with this body, this circumstance, this past, this future that's crippled because of experiences of the past, with 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 our lived experience of a this worldly reality that's out of touch with a, with with a deeper experience of 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 what's what's out there, the spiritual realm. That's what's healing. And this is something that all the tzaddikim have already been talking about. For quote-unquote already healthy people, as a woman, people that don't need the crisis intervention of a psychedelic, you know, psychotherapy, which is carries with it risks, and that's why it's not so simple. And I, I, this is not the time, and I'm not the person. I don't know enough about it to really get into it. But it, but it's not so obviously. It needs to be dealt with very carefully. Obviously, it's 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 something new and it's something delicate. But a spoidus never led to a psychotic break, you know, like to my to my limited knowledge, right? This is a pretty safe thing to do. You spend five, 10 minutes, you speak to your creator and you free yourself from the Gehenna of an obsession with this worldliness that leads to so much chaos, that leads to so much pain, that leads to so much anguish. The misalignment with the divine that leads to so much Gehenna, not in the next world. But in this world, the Yerachim Al-Atzma, says, have mercy on yourself. Build a conscious relationship with Hashem. 
which avails you the deep understanding of the things that really matter in life. What this is all for, of who you really are inside, of the infinite wellsprings of courage, of creativity, of worth, of value that you already hold essentially without needing to earn it. That's what Espodidus does for you. Because in the context of Espodidus, you see yourself reflected in the mirror of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's infinite love. And you realize, I matter. Hashem cares for me. My journey matters. And I'm not chained to it. Because every word that I utter in the context of a sicha beina lebein koinai, of a date with the divine, as it were, a date, a date night, the Kodesh Baruch Hu, every word that I utter avails me a sense of freedom, a sense of hope, a sense of believing that things can change because my father is the creator of the game. And the rules are within his hands to shift and to shape. To have mercy on yourself. So he said, to think of all different ways of, 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 of getting these points across and to expressing just what you and me all know that we need to express, to let it go, to let it go. And he says that the, the concept of this kind of sicha, should be in our mother tongue, which in these parts, in those parts of the world was either German or, um, or Yiddish. Rabbi Nelson says we've already spoken about this a lot in the svarim that were already printed, meaning Lukutu Maran. Um, Rabbi Nachman speaks a great deal about this, of course. But more than this, more than whatever has been printed, says Rabbi Nassim, Rabbi Nachman was constantly speaking to his Hasidim about this. Listen to these words. How could it be, and I'm giving myself Musr, like, like I don't ever try to give Musr, I'm speaking to myself, but as much as this might be relevant to anybody here, it, it should be a pella to me and you because we are spiritual seekers. If we weren't, we wouldn't be on the Zoom. There are many other things to do with your time. Some of you are sitting in the office right now, the whole of Yaakov over there. You know, it's a gaval. This is, this is a yid, yeah? You know, he's sitting as an accountancy office. I think that's what he does. And he's, and he's, and he's, he, because he, he knows, he knows, he knows what, what life is about. All, we wouldn't be here if we weren't looking for something, right? How could it be that we care about Yiddishkeit and we have a tzaddik who's promising us that doing this will work and we don't do it. It's a taina. It's a taina on me too. And I'm sure I have a million excuses for this. And I try to have a, a few minutes of a spoilers there, a few minutes of a spoilers there. I have a strong rutzen all the time when I'm not able to really lock this in. I'm being totally honest with you. I, I sit in my office and, and, and Hashem has granted me the, the ability that I should be most of the day spending, you know, teaching, learning, writing. Hashem, I'm blessed. But I mamish, I'll just pull, I'll, I'll like, I have a fancy chair with wheels and not a very big office. There's not much room for me to like slide back because it's like Dalit, it's like <laughs> like four by four, uh, the Dalit Amis of Allah over there or Kabbalah, I don't know, Ashkafa. Anyway, so I pull my chair back and I just stop. I'm like, all I want to do right now is to be in a forest <laughs> and talking to you. That's all I want. So all of us are busy. We have responsibilities and, and we have excuses. But the Rebbe says this, Kimi sheyargel each and every person who will accustom his or herself to doing this very simple, non-extreme, non-strange, non-radical avoida of like speaking to Hashem, which is what tefillah is supposed to be, but in a very, a very direct, straightforward way. He says for an hour, Rabbi Yaakov Shechter told me um, in, a, in a personal meeting that it's not it's not a lot dafka shot like an hour, however much time you can. Of course, an hour is the best, an hour is a very long time. Says the rabbi. It is guaranteed that eventually you'll get there. 
That's a pretty strong haftacha. And, and it doesn't take flying around the world to different kinds of kfarim and different experiences and different things. It's as close to you as your own mouth is to your heart, which is a lot more distant than some of us would assume. But it's as close to you as that, to channel the feelings in your heart, in my heart, to our klei hadibur, to be conscious of Hashem and to care enough about our relationship with Him to address Him directly. Amazing thing. It's pretty powerful stuff. It's a pretty powerful haftacha. And even though says says Rabbi Nachman, Rabbi Nachman quoting his Rabbi Rabbi Nachman, that sometimes it appears that we're doing this. And a person could be doing this for days on end. And a person could be doing this for years on end at a time. And in an honest moment, he sees that everything that he's davening for and all the Kedusha and Tara and Madrigas and Tikkun Amidas and whatever a person's davening for it, it hasn't happened yet. Says, says Rabbi Nachman that, that that doesn't in any way interfere with the Haftacha. Afal Pekin says the Rabbi, just keep it up. Encourage yourself. Because in the end, it will work. And if it hasn't worked, it's not the end. In the end, it will work. And I think, I want to humbly suggest, again, everything that I ever say is just a suggestion. I don't really know what I'm talking about. Um, but I don't think any of us do. So we're sharing our not knowing what we're talking about together and trying to be mechazic ourselves so we could connect us to something real. But I want to suggest here that there's a deeper meaning in these words, saif kol saif. How do you read it on a simple level? Ki saif kol saif, meaning at the, at the end of the day, like at the end of the, right? At the end of the end, it's like, um, it's a, it's a, um, what's, what's, it is a way of speaking. It's a, Anyway, the words are eluding me now. It's a phrase, right? It will eventually help. But I was learning this and I was thinking maybe it means something else. Maybe soif kol soif means when we put an end to thinking about measurable objectives. Ki soif kol soif. When from the mindset that has put an end, soif, to call soif, to everything needing to, uh, you know, to, 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 to culminate in some kind of measurable, definitive outcome. Soif, call soif, says the Rebbe, if you experience his spaidudos as his spaidudos, meaning as an end unto itself and not simply as a means to getting somewhere, but you recognize that each and every moment spent in conscious conversation with Hashem as if he's as real as the person next to you that you have no problem schmoozing with a stranger online in the supermarket, but you speak to Hashem in such a way, the value of that alone is infinite, irrespective of whether that actually leads to a conclusive result. That's a very deep way of reading this. Ki soif kol soif. Put an end to that kind of thinking that everything has to culminate in a soif. The Rebbe says, this helps a lot. And those are the most shining moments of your life. And like the proverbial, metaphoric, retrospective reflection of an old elderly person in a nursing home looking back over his life to the chevra that have spent Time in us. There's no regrets. There's no regrets. Because it's an illusion to think that it's really possible to fulfill the mission for which HaKadosh Baruch Hu brought our neshamas into bodies for without copious amounts of time spent engaged in mundane things. That's how Hashem wants us to live. And so I don't think it's fair for a person to look back and say, oh, if only I wouldn't have been taking my kid to, to dentist appointments uh, all the time because they were suffering from you know, teeth that needed work. Oh, I, my life could have been so whatever. That, that's a shekher to think that. That's exactly what you were supposed to be doing is to take your kid to a dentist appointment. 
but it's all of the time that we really could have channeled into intense spiritual experiences, overt spiritual experiences, spiritual experiences that don't leave me wondering afterwards, was that really a spiritual experience or was that my ego? Was that really me learning this daf gemara mamish because like I, I was connecting to Hashem? Or was there a part of me that, that just liked it because of the intellectual stimulation or all different kinds of things that can make us think like we're not sure. And that's good even if it is for ulterior motives. The whole Sefer Nefesh Chaim is written to encourage us not to denigrate a voida that's done uh, you know, with, without the proper kavana. But his spoidus is clear. And we'll look back on all those sweet moments, especially if you'll implement in your life this wondrous practice, there's one thing that I remember, my father shall live well in long and happy years to 120. I remember growing up, I didn't understand it at the time, but I remember that on family trips, when we would like break, if we were going on a long drive somewhere, it's a you know, visiting day in some camp upstate or wherever, he would just disappear. And he would come back with shining eyes. Because he would use that as an opportunity to go to go to do his spodas. So that vacations or holidays, as they call them in this in this part of the world, can actually be remembered by the sum total of all the places where you merited to do his spodas. When I was a Bachar in Yisrael, this was something that I took very seriously. And I mamish, I would look forward to going to Tzvas just so that I can can break away from the pack of all the chevra going to the candle shops, which I'm sure is an intensely spiritual, spiritual experience too, just to get lost somewhere. When I think back, those are the memories that I have. Very particular memories. I remember, I'm telling you, a Shabbos and Har Shmuel that we spent once. So a developing neighborhood over there by a Rebbe of mine, Har Shmuel. I don't remember anything from the Shabbos. I remember the Espodida session that I had once a Shabbos at the top of the hill over there. I remember that. You go to a new place, like what's our consciousness? How can I speak to Hashem in this place? How can I channel this new experience of nature, something that might touch my heart, to awaken me to a greater level of perception that life is so fleeting and life is so sheker, how precious it is without my tefillahs needing to be answered, tefillah as an end unto itself, how precious it is to contact my creator in this new setting. Isn't it exciting? And I hope nobody here can even tell me if it's true. I hope you, you yourself don't know. But it seems that smokers also look forward to going to different places to have a cigarette in that place. I don't even know if anybody smokes anymore. People still smoke. I don't know. People do other things. They smoke other things. But cigarettes used to be very in. I don't think it's so in today. Right, but people would like to go to a new climate so that they can have a cigarette in Miami, you know, or they can have a cigarette in Colorado. Like it's like a thing. It's like because you're smoking and different kinds of experiences gives a person a different kind of feel. Lahavdim and elafavdelas, spoidedus in different places. Soif kol soif yoyelay bevada. You look back and you remember all of those moments. You remember all of those late night walks in the park alone, like a madman. And you are a madman. But the world is so mad so that your insanity is the highest level of normalcy you can imagine. That when somebody sees a strange person walking in figure eights around a large field in a place where people don't ordinarily walk, and somebody has good enough eyesight to see your mouth moving, they'll think you're crazy. Do you know how normal you are to be the most normal thing in the world? We needed normal people. This was the subject of our previous year. We learned about the tzaddik as the normal one who's telling us how to live. And if we only follow what the tzaddik is telling us, maybe we have a chance of being a little bit normal in life. So other people think you're weird and think you're crazy. Let them. It's not as if they're the world's greatest authority on what normal or crazy is. You know? So sometimes it's the greatest compliment. When you're the only one in your community of 10,000 Jews who presumably should all be heading out at night to the park, should all be walking the streets in conscious contact with your creator, and you're the only one from the whole community there. Where is everyone? Like, what is everyone else doing? What is everyone else doing? And you feel strange. 
Ashrecha. Because you haven't been fooled. Because you're not just simply schlepping through the to-do list of Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then carries back on. Hopefully Shabbos has lived on some elevated level. Even that is not so assured. That needs work too. But you're a person who's miyashiv, atzmeyetiv. Mahu ashrecha. And I believe that a time is coming very soon where the parks will be full at night. As some sections of forests are in Eretz Yisrael, believe it or not, where sometimes you go and you can't find a place because you need a little bit of place. You don't want somebody you know, listening to your, to, to your conversation. You need some room. Behind Ramad Ashkol, where I was privileged to live, there's a place where they, 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 they like to call it Yar Breslov, you know, the Breslov Forest. And there are, tree, there, there are chairs that are chained to trees. I actually did a Facebook post about this shortly before I left. All these chairs, different kinds of chairs, every 20 feet in the forest. Dafka for people to go there, for people to connect there, for people to become normal there, for people to live life of awareness, of ego nullification, of true Yeshiva Das there. There's going to come a time where all of the parks and fields and, 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 and nature reserves within driving distance of any from community are saturated with people. A lunch break, you go to the field, all the people from your shul are out there. Everybody's talking to Hashem in their own words. So everybody's talking about the need of a revolution. So many issues we have, so many problems, so many things need to change. From, from, from the off the derech phenomenon, Hashem Yishmar, to something so seemingly benign in, 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 in relative terms, but it's not, to, to talking in shul, which is, which is a, you know, epidemic, like it's, it's, it's more shocking if there's no talking than if there is talking. And so many things need to be fixed and so many things need to change. And sometimes it's not so many things. Sometimes it's just the active application of one very simple thing that can change all of those things. And I dare say that Hispodidus is a good example of this. Imagine what Yiddishkeit would be like if every single Yid that you knew of all ages spent serious time every day. And by serious time, I don't mean an hour. I mean 10 to 15 minutes being miyashiv themselves, hey, Dave, what are we doing in this world? Experiencing an open, authentic, vulnerable relationship with Hashem that's made practical through diburim, through conversations, which is the way that you and I have built a relationship, collectively and personally with many of you, through conversation. This is how we build Connections. This is how human beings were created. Apikabala, without getting into it, there's nothing more practical than Dibor. Dibor is the clay hamalchus. This is how we actualize things. Dibor, this is how Shem created the physical world with Dibor. This is how relationships are forged, are formed, are solidified, are cemented. Emanti says Davra Malach, I believed ki adaber. Because I spoke to Hashem. How powerful that can be. How that would change things. How that would put everything into perspective. How that would change our learning. How that would change the other three tefillahs. How that would change the way that we experience Shabbos. How that would, would change our relationships. Unbelievable. But Amar, Rabbi Nachman finished, that this is not so foreign that we should think it's something that came out of left field, or Rabbi Nachman just was boided milibai, which itself wouldn't be a terrible thing, by the way, for tzaddikim to introduce new things. Rabbi Nachman wasn't in the business of introducing new things. He says, David HaMalach did this. And ye said mizeh, say for Tehillim. This is where Tehillim came from. What do you think Tehillim is? Tehillim is David HaMalach's personal tefillahs. It is his spidedus. But Amar and he said, The Rebbe says, listen, I'll have Rachmanas on you to help you have more Rachmanas on yourself. You don't have to go out to a park like Klein is suggesting. Don't have to go anywhere. In his bed. 
in bed before he went to sleep. It comes the end of a day. Oh, you know that feeling. You settle into bed. You just take a deep breath. Wow, another one. Got through another one, right? Before you go to sleep, have a little bit of a conversation with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, in whose hands you're about to entrust your Nisham. Who's going to be the one refreshing your Nishama? Because that's what sleep is. That's where we get, we, we recharge ourselves. The body is, is a corpse, essentially. Something's happening to the Nishama when we sleep. It's getting recharged. Kodesh Baruch Hu recharges that. He's going to be the one giving it back to us. Have a little chat with him. It's a pretty important thing to do. <laughs> you're, you're, about to, you're about to engage in, a, in, in as much as you would have a very measured, careful conversation with a mechanic if you were to give him your car for a couple of days, you want to make sure that you get it back in a, in a decent state and you, you just want to make sure like you know what needs to be fixed and he's going to take care of it. It's important to speak to the mechanic with a capital M before you give him your neshama at night. Have a little chat with him. What needs a little bit of cleansing? What happened to you during the day? How you want tomorrow to be better, different? to plug ourselves back in to the existential clarity of the context within which the frenzied content of our lived experience of life takes place. The context, the why, the all, the big picture. The mahu oise ba'ilam. What are you, what am I doing in life? 99% of people. That's a little bit intense. I don't know if 99, but I myself don't know the statistics. You'll help me out. A very large quantity of people will go through their entire lives living, never having had this experience of being meyashiv themselves as to the reason why they are living. As to what this is all for. And it's not their fault. And it doesn't make us who have had this experience better off. We all understand why. Because the illusion is so incredibly powerful. The distraction is so in incredibly potent that it takes real avoida, a real avoida. For from Yidin, with all of the other avoidas that we have that are really supposed to help us to do this. But because of our dogmatic initiation into these experiences, sometimes, strangely enough, hispoididus, which is something optional, not a diaraisa, not a drabana, and so on and so forth. Certainly a mitzvah, a very important mitzvah, of course, tefillah, emunah, and everything that hispoididus is not a waste of time. Chas v'sham's not bitol's man. It's mamash a mitzvah diaraisa, but it's not, in this form, it's not something that's obligatory. Sometimes this itself could unlock all of those different things, which is a strange phenomenon, but it's true. The illusion is so powerful. So many people will never have this experience. So at night, David Amalek would cover himself over with his sheet, besudden with his sheet, with his cover. And he would speak out his heart before Hashem. Now it appears that this would necessitate us going to bed a little bit earlier than some of us are accustomed to, which is also part and parcel of this kind of lifestyle which also is part and parcel of the planning of, 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 a, of, of, of a trajectory of spiritual success. It takes planning. If we're going to sleep every night at one o'clock in the morning, and then we're wondering why we feel depleted the next day, like, let's, let's, let's be honest, you know? There are lifestyle changes that we can begin to implement, healthier, healthier ways of living. Again, within reason, because all of us live very busy lives. This is this is the dance, right? This is the dance. This is the balance. But it's but if we don't take time to think about these things, they'll certainly never materialize on their own. It's not going to happen by itself. To plan for more sleep so that I can wake up more rested, or to plan for a better nighttime routine so that I have any hope of having the ability to get in a few words to Hashem before drifting off. And by the way, if as often happens for those that are that are accustomed to doing this, you fall asleep while doing this, is there anything more beautiful in the world than that? Is there anything more beautiful waking up in the morning and the last thing you remember was 
pillow talk with, with, with the master of heaven and earth? Is there anything more beautiful than that? In the same way that we're trying to get out of the Gehenna of this world, it's not only that. Sur ra. How do you sur me? How do you get out of Gehenna? Says Rabbi Nachman, because you come into Ganeidin, so you're not in Gehenna. It's either one or the other. Rabbi Nachman says it's either it's either Olamazeh or it's Gehenna. There is no Olam. There is no. I'm sorry. There is no Olam Hazeh. Right. There's either Olam Haba or Gehenna. That's what Rabbi Nachman says on the Kutim Aran. It's up to us to choose. Let's get past the blockages. Let's get past the blockages, the cynicism. Let's get past all of the voices inside that are telling us it's, it's a waste of time. It's for Breslov or Hasidim. It's dangerous. I don't know why this would be dangerous, but it's dangerous. And who knows? You could end up dancing on a van somewhere. Let's get past this. Five minutes talking to Hashem in your own words. And the Rebbe brings this from Telem. David Melech says, I spoke to you about this every night in my bed. My tears wet the pillow. My tears wet the pillow. A conversation. Because this is how Hashem becomes real to you. Not that he isn't real. He is, but real to you. That's another madrega. So a lot of Jews know that Hashem is real, but he's still not real to you. He's still not real to me. Hashem becomes real to me, like the Kutzker said, wherever I let him in. And that takes work. It takes work. His spoididus is one of the ways of letting him in. Says Rabbi Nachman, fortunate is the one who accustoms him or herself to fulfilling this thing called that is more precious and important in our generation than anything else, says the Rebbe. Than anything else. Strong, strong terminology. Take a look in Lakutimar on Tinyana, where he has a collection of different teachings over there on Tfila, short teachings, very easy, accessible. It's all available, it's all translated, by the way, on Safaria, it's all there. And pay very close attention to what's written there. Which is, again, such a beautiful thing about Breslau that it's not just conceptual. There are practical, pragmatic aitzes to, to applying these things. And Hashem should merit you and should merit me. That our mouths should open in a meaningful way that Hashem should give us the right words to say. She give us the right words to say, to be open and authentic and direct with Him. To be open, authentic, and direct. So we don't have time, it seems, to, to see any of the other sources. I don't know that we've really had a Sikha that spoke about Espodidus so openly and clearly. There are going to be others. So I felt like it was important to really just lay this out, especially for those on the on the on the Zoom or those who will be listening to this who haven't yet had the experience of of hearing about this or 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 or, or doing it to talk it out a little bit more. And we're gonna end now. And and my bakasha is only because it popped into my mind that I want to do this now. If after the call, if you don't have something super pressing, take out your phone, set a timer for five minutes, and either put your head down or go somewhere where you're alone and talk to Hashem. There's enough to talk to Him about. Like you would talk to a therapist who you're paying to listen to. So Kodesh Baruch is free. This doesn't mean that it, it takes the place of therapy. That's another conversation. Talk to Kodesh Baruch Tell Him where it hurts. Talk to him about all the places in your life that need healing. Talk to him about your day. Talk to him about the things that you still have to do today. And the things that you'd love if you were a part of. Talk to him about the Gehenna that you go through. 
and about the Gan Eden that you know is within your grasp if a life is lived of alignment with his ruts on his will, channeling his light into the world. Let's do that now together. And in that schus Bezer Hashem, we should experience not only the personal gu'ula that's assured to come, like Rabbi Nachman says, but collectively we bring the world a little bit closer to this tikkun, to when all the parks will be filled with all the from Yidin, and everybody will be talking to Hashem, and the whole institution of Yiddishkeit will be illuminated with a light of spiritual connection and existential clarity. Thank you so much to everybody. What a chizik to see all of you here at one time, at one place. What a privilege. What a privilege. Ashreinu. 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 Now let's put it into practice. Thank you so much for joining. Let's do a spy to this. Kaltov, have an amazing, amazing day, an amazing week. Ashreinu. Thank you very, very much. Ah, yes, for the download. Amazing. The tefillah. Kaltov, Chavre.